we need to become aware of when the inner critic is speaking and when it's our true self and not let that inner critic run and make all of the decisions in our life. So I think that's one of the first things we really need to become aware of is when our inner critic is speaking and not buying into their stories and coming back into our heart and going, okay, hang on, is that actually true? Is that actually true that I am not good enough or smart enough or will never get out of debt or will never meet the guy? Like, is that actual truth? The answer is no. Like, no one has a crystal ball. Like, no one can say that you will never, ever meet your soulmate. Like no one knows that. So we really do need to differentiate between the two, the head and the heart, so that we can, when we find ourselves in our head, slide back on down into our heart and live from that place. When we live from our heart, life is so much better. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Melissa Ambrosini. Melissa is a best-selling author of multiple books. She's a TEDx speaker and host of the wildly popular podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Melissa Ambrosini to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time coming, but we made it happen. We made it happen. And you're over in Australia. I'm here in the States and you know we have you know, many mutual connections and friends, but one specifically in Simon Hill. And he said so many great things about you. So I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And, you know, congratulations on being a mom. I know that's kind of what initially uh, made us pause uh, from our initial time. We were going to do our conversation was you were pregnant, you had a baby. And I guess like looking back now, it's been some time, what it's been, what, since last summer, nine months or so, eight months. Yes. What are some of the things that you've learned in these early stages of being a mom that you say, man, like, I wish I would have known this like then, like before, like what were some of those things? Okay. So the first one that came to me is a very practical and physical thing. And that is, I wish I knew how strong your upper back and arms need to be. So that is definitely something that I wish someone had have told me. I wish someone had have said, Melissa, get a trainer and get them to work on strengthening all of your upper back and your arm muscles because you are carrying around this little bundle of joy and you're breastfeeding and it's a lot on your body. So that's definitely one of the first things that popped to my mind. It's more of a physical one. And then I think, oh, there's been so many beautiful things that I could never have imagined, but how quickly it goes. You know, everyone says, soak it up, drink it in, don't miss the magic because it goes so fast. And then you blink and they're teenagers, but it really is so true. They grow so quickly. And I look back on photos from a month ago, two months ago, 
when she was first born and am blown away by her growth and development and it's just so beautiful. So, you know, the reminder of soaking up every single moment and drinking their smell in and not missing the magic. Just those reminders are really powerful every single day, not just for the start, but every single day. So yeah, they're they're two things. I love how you threw out like a physical one and then like a non-physical lesson that you learn. And you're right, you know, it's it's so important to do certain strength exercises and, and, and certain workouts that are going to benefit you as a mom is going to help you during your pregnancy because you know if if you don't then you'll end up overcompensating in other areas i'm sure your energy will be even lower than it already gets at times and you might end up you know potentially hurting yourself without even really knowing it so yeah i think that's a really good point and and i love how you brought up the time thing because you know i i'm, I'm not a parent but i remember my parents telling me the same thing that was just like soak it in like during high school soak it in like this time's gonna fly during my younger years like you're gonna grow up so fast and i was like ah like whatever like you know you're just full of you know what and then they were right, like time flew and I'm like 18 years old and I was like, man, I wish I was still in school, like eating school lunches and <laughs> going to class, like that's when things were fun. But one of the things that really fascinates me about people, specifically you, is when you have this massive perspective shift on something that's, that's meaningful in life. And this for you came in the form of relationships. And I know for quite some time before you met your husband, like you didn't really believe in marriage. Your view on relationships was pretty distorted and jaded, you know, based on past experiences. So what what was it about this one that made it different? Like what shifted for you to now you have a thriving marriage, you're a mom and things are so much better on that end? Yeah, I absolutely, before I met my husband, I didn't believe in marriage. I didn't want to get married. I didn't really want to have kids. And I feel like that was because I hadn't met him. I hadn't met my one, my soulmate. And so I, you know, had been in other relationships and my partner before we were together for about three years and, you know, he would say things about marriage and I would say, oh, no, 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 we, you know, we wouldn't get married. No, no, no. Like that, that's not me. But I truly believe it's because I had not met my soulmate yet. And so when I got with Nick, instantly it was this soul connection and I was like, yep, I want to marry you. I want to be with you for the rest of my life and I want to have your babies right now. Let's go. So it's, I think when you meet your one, when you are with your soulmate, that dissipates any doubt, any fear dissipates because you're with your, your one. Yeah. I think it's really important in life to make sure with any relationship, whether it's romantic or whether it's personal, whether it's business, to make sure that they are, you know, very aligned with you as a person, where you're going. And I'm really glad that you found that with your partner. But you mentioned something that like when you met him, that a lot of your fears around marriage and being a parent kind of dissipated and went away. But there's a lot of people that are listening to this or people that are listening to this that have had an experience like this in the past that maybe their their fear when they met this person, it d didn't go away or it's not going to go away. They still have a lot of like inner work to work on that maybe caused some of those insecurities and trust issues around relationships. Like, did you have any of that that you experienced that that Nick was able to kind of help you 
work through? Did you go to therapy? Was there some spiritual stuff you did? Like what was that? What did that work look like for you? It's a really good question. So with Nick in particular, there has never been any uncertainty about whether we are meant to be together. There's never been any uncertainty. There's only been full body hell yeah, full body yes. You know, my parents when we first – because we got engaged. I'm not sure if you know this, but we got engaged within two weeks and then we were married five and a half months later and that was eight years ago. And we now have a beautiful baby girl and he has a 15-year-old son. So it's been a while, you know. It's not as long as some people have been together, but eight years is a really nice time. And my parents and his parents, you know, when they met both of us, because we met and got engaged so quickly when they met both of us, you know, my parents said, oh, of course, you know, of course, you two are together. Like it's an absolute no brainer. And lots of our friends, when they met both of us, they were like, oh, of course. But when you tell someone, I've just met someone and we're getting engaged two weeks later, a lot of people go, you're crazy. Are you sure? And then they meet, then they met us and then they were like, ah, yes. Okay. And my parents would joke that I'm going to sprint down the aisle you know, to marry him. And that's a thing like this whole, oh, have you got cold feet or are you nervous? I never had any of that with Nick ever. There's never been any doubt or any uncertainty. However, I know that, you know, fears and things like that come up for different people for different things in your relationships. And we do need to look at that. We do need to address that. And one of the best things we can do is self-inquiry. So whenever a fear comes up within us, we have to ask ourselves, oh, what is that about? And almost put on a little detective hat and your, you know, magnifying glass and go digging for what this means for you. Sometimes it can be some unresolved trauma from an earlier experience or even like a past life. But we do need to go digging. We need to look at any of these past traumas because what we don't heal, we will continue to recreate in our life. And when trauma isn't transformed, it's passed on to our children, to our children's children, and on it goes. So we need to really look at our trauma. We need to heal it, release it, let go of it so that we don't pass it on to our children. And since having my daughter, I'm even more aware of anything that I need to work on. And a lot of it comes back to inner child healing work. I'm not sure if you've heard about inner child healing work. Have you heard about that? Oh yeah, we've, t- we've talked a lot about it on the podcast, which is kind of why I wanted to ask you the question, like what else did you personally have to look within about besides just knowing that you were with the right person? Oh yeah, I, the inner child healing work was huge for me, huge. Because a lot of us are playing out our inner child wounds as adults, you know, the diff- within our relationships, within our health, whatever, all the different areas. So we do really need to look at that. So I did a lot of inner child healing work and still do when it comes up. You know, it's a very, very powerful thing that we can do to really bring us back to the moment and to transform anything, any trauma that comes up for us. Absolutely. I mean, I talk about it often how you know, I, I reached a certain level of healing when I got into recovery and I found fitness and all that. But the ultimate healing came 
when I started doing a lot of the inner child work and started looking at my past and recreating certain patterns that I had learned when I was younger and, and changing the, the way I saw myself, my perception and everything. So yeah, I, I think it's so important. But you've had a lot that's happened in the last few years between being a mom. Obviously, we've all been through the stress of the, the pandemic and, and everything that's gone on with that. Like what's been something recently that's come up for you that you've had to self-inquire about and say, oh, like this was something I didn't know that either I still struggle with or this is something new. And that's forced you to kind of go within a bit and, um, you know, and heal that part of yourself. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. This includes Organifi green juice, which I am now using in my smoothies, either after a workout or for a great on-the-go snack. It's loaded with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. Cutting down on caffeine is a big initiative of mine as we head into the new year, and Organifi's red juice is going to help me do just that. It's basically a superfood fruit punch that gives me a jolt of energy without the caffeine, and it only has two grams of sugar. If you aren't into smoothies, don't worry. Organifi products are super easy to mix, and you can add one scoop to a glass of water. So go to www.organifi.com forward slash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Doug and use the code Doug for 20% off any item. Now back to the show. Oh, uh, there's a few things, but the biggest one I think that just came to me straight away was this concept that a lot of people keep alive by speaking about, and that is mum guilt or parent guilt, Right. And so the more we use that language, the more we keep it alive. I hear so many women and men as well talk about, oh, I've got mum guilt, oh, I've got parent guilt, I've got dad guilt. And the more that we talk about it and use that language, the more it's going to stay alive. And so for me, the first time it came up, I felt it within my gut, like I felt it bubbling up within me and then it came up into my chest and it was bubbling in my chest and I felt really anxious and hot and then it came up into my throat. So I kind of looked at my solar plexus, my heart chakra and my throat chakra because they were the three areas where I felt that viscerally in my body and I went inward and I sat with myself, I closed my eyes, I went into a meditation and I inquired and I just kind of said, hey, hey, feeling, what are, you, what are you trying to communicate with me? And what it came back to was it actually wasn't even my guilt, you know, because I went back to my childhood and it wasn't even my guilt. It was this generational lineage guilt from my mom, my mom's mom, my mom's 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 mom. Like it, it had been passed down and I've got full body goosebumps. It had been passed down from generation to generation. And then this overwhelming sense of I need to release this to break this chain so that I do not pass this on to my daughter. And so I sat with this very uncomfortable feeling of let's call it guilt, but you can call it feeling blue, you know, or feeling purple, whatever. You can give it a color name because when we call something as a color, as opposed to guilt, anger, sadness, frustration, we then attach stories to that emotion. 
Okay, so when we just say, I have this feeling it's purple and it's bubbling up inside me and I'm going to look at it. I found that really helped me. And so I sat and I just allowed these feeling, this feeling and emotion to bubble up inside me and I really got clear on, okay, this has actually come from generations before me and it's I have an opportunity to let this go, to release this, to cut that karmic cord so that I do not pass this on to my daughter. And so that's what I did. I did an energetic cutting of the cord. Like I literally visualized this cord within my meditation and I just cut it with like my hand. Um, You can get a sword, you can get a knife, whatever you need, but I just cut it with my hand. And then I, I committed in that moment. I said, I'm committing to letting this story go of guilt and letting it no longer be part of my narrative because I thought about my daughter in my shoes when she has a daughter. Would I want her feeling mum guilt? Would I want her experiencing what I'm experiencing? And the answer was no. So I felt like it was my responsibility to cut that cord so that I don't pass it on to her or anyone else. So that's something that's come up for me. And then also another thing, I'll share another one if that's okay with you. Since having a baby, I am a very confident person. I would say that I am very confident. I don't have an issue getting on stage and speaking to thousands of people. I'm very sure of myself. I know who I am. Like these are really beautiful traits about myself that I love. And when I became a mom, I felt so much lack of confidence. And I remember crying in my husband's arms saying, I just don't know what I'm doing. Like no one has given me a manual. I don't know what I'm doing. And he, you know, looked at me, held me and said, you're doing an amazing job. Like no one really knows what they're doing. We're all winging it. And for the first time in a very, very long time, maybe since I was a child, I lacked a lot of confidence in what I was doing. And so, you know, it's one of those things when you're a first time mum, it's like, the more they say the second child, the third child, there's so much confidence because you've done it before and you're just like, hey, this is like riding a bike. You get back on and you do it. But I really had to have a conversation with my inner critic about confidence. And I really had to remind myself that she chose me. My daughter chose me. I chose her and I'm doing the best job that I can do. And we're both figuring this thing out. And you know, this is the first one, two, three, four months. And then you kind of get a hang of it and you're on the bike and you're like, ah, okay, I got this thing. I got it. You know, I'm riding. So that was another really big thing that recently I've had to move through. And it really knocked the wind out of me because like I said, I am a very confident person. I like it really shocked me. And it shocked my husband too, because he, you know, he was like, but you just kind of take anything and go for it. And something completely new that I've never done before. And I had read all the books, mind you, I had read every parenting book that I could get my hands on. And still nothing prepares you for when you're actually in it for the first time. And so I did a little bit of work on that and just going back in and and visualizing my inner child and going back to the first time she didn't feel confident. Maybe it was at school and in year two or three and having to stand up in front of the class and do something. And I went back there and I just gave her a lot of love. 
and did a lot of healing work around that. And that definitely helped. So they're, they're two things that have recently come up. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think, you know, sometimes when we, if we are confident as people, I think what tends to happen, I think this is just normal life, is when we experience something new, like like you said, you experience something like massively new, stressful, challenging, like enlightening, like all the things and being a mom, of course, like it's human nature to say, oh my gosh, am I going to live up to the expectations I've put on myself? I know, am I going to be as good of a mom as that person? Am I going to do the right thing? How is she going to turn out? Like, I think that's all nor- normal behavior, but I think what's different about people who are on this self-help journey in the personal development space is like the ability to self-inquire, like you've said, and be self-aware and notice that. Because there's a lot of people that when their confidence dips or they aren't experiencing confidence in a situation, they're sometimes they're not even aware of it. And they just go through life just not taking chances or beating themselves up or not mastering their inner critic and go on and on with these examples of how being unconfident plays out. But I think it's amazing that you were able to be aware enough to say, you know, like, I don't have this all figured out right now and I'm not feeling confident. Like, what can I do? What's the path forward? So there's a lot of people that are in situations like this where they are starting a job new. They're in a new relationship. They are, you know, posting on social media for the first time, trying to share their story where they're they're in a new space and they're not feeling confident. Other than you kind of talking yourself up a little bit and you're, and you're with your husband husband's support like what were some of the things early on in those first few months that helped you rebuild the confidence as a person that that helped you as a parent differentiating between your true self and your inner critic is really really powerful so i talk about the inner critic your ego whatever you want to call it i call it the inner mean girl yours can be called the inner critic whatever feels good for you And so what most people do is that voice runs and dictates their life. The voice of you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, who do you think you are, that post is ridiculous, no one's going to buy your book, don't start a podcast, you sound ridiculous, you'll never meet the guy, you'll never get out of debt, that voice. We all know that voice. And so what I have noticed is that so many people, myself included in the past, I let that voice run and dictate my entire life. She was in the driver's seat of my life telling me that I'm not good enough and I can't do this. And it wasn't until I realized that that voice, the ego, is designed to keep you in fear and in fact is not actually the truth of who you are. The truth of who you are is that beautiful essence in your heart, that inner child, you know, go in there. And so we need to become aware of when the inner critic is speaking and when it's our true self and not let that inner critic run and make all of the decisions in our life. So I think that's one of the first things we really need to become aware of is when our inner critic is speaking and not buying into their stories and coming back into our heart and going, okay, hang on. Is that actually true? Is that actually true that I am not good enough or smart enough or will never get out of debt or will never meet the guy? Like, is that actual truth? The answer is no. Like no one has a crystal ball. Like no one can say that you will never, ever meet your soulmate. Like no one knows that. So we really do need to differentiate between the two, the head and the heart, 
so that we can, when we find ourselves in our head, slide back on down into our heart and live from that place. When we live from our heart, life is so much better. The relationships are better. Your career is better. Your uh, health is better when we live from our heart and when we make decisions from our heart, not from our inner critic. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I get asked often, like, how do you, how do you shift out of that negative self-talk into, you know, positive, reinforcing, optimistic talk during hard times to, and how do you like almost like rewire those patterns and thinking? And I think it's different for everyone, but you brought up a good point in differentiating like the inner critic, like the person who's talking down to you and like, what's true, like your true self, like what's real. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. And you mentioned like being aware of what these thoughts are. So let's just say that somebody's having some of these thoughts, some of these inner critic, inner mean girl thoughts, and you discover that that's not true. Like what are some ways that somebody can essentially almost like rewire some of the things that they say to themselves so that maybe a few months down the road, they're not mean to themselves. Their inner critics kind of died down a little bit. I have a process, a four-step process called the CAST process, which I want to share with you. And from all the study that I've done, you know, from all the courses, programs, the psychologists that I've worked with, the therapy that I've done, this has been the best and most powerful thing that I do every single day whenever it pops up, whenever my inner critic pops up to tell me something like, I'm not good enough, or who do you think you are writing a book or launching a podcast? Whenever that voice pops up, I take myself through this four-step process and I love actionable processes. I love being able to do something immediately in the moment when it comes up. I don't want to have to rely on booking a session with my therapist, which is two weeks down the track to move through something. I want action steps that I can do on my own that can help me get out of my head and back into my heart very quickly. So this is why I came up with this process, the four-step cast process. So basically this four steps, is it's an acronym and I'll share what that stands for in a minute. But this process is so powerful and helps rewire your brain. It helps and we can rewire the thought pro- the thought patterns in our brain. So it's almost like a habit. If you are constantly in a habitual cycle of negativity and negative thinking about something, it's a habit. You need to break that habit and then rewire it. And the way that you first break a habit is by a- having awareness. Okay, I-, I can see that I have a very negative, toxic, unhealthy habit when it comes to this. So that first step is is we need to become aware of it. And then, yeah, we can rewire our brain. So the first step in the CAST process, C stands for character. What that means is we need to create a little character for our inner critic. So actually, let's do this right now. Close your eyes. And I want you to think about that voice that says all of those negative things to you. You're not good enough. No one's going to listen to this episode. You may as well stop your podcast. You'll never get out of debt. You won't lose the weight. Who do you think you are? Whatever your inner critic says to you, I want you to visualize 
that voice that's saying those things. See it in your mind. Maybe it's you, a little version of you, or maybe it's a completely different person. What do they look like? Where are they? Like, are they sitting on your right shoulder or your left shoulder or are they on your head? How big are they? What are they wearing? And when you have a clear visual, please share. So the person is just like this little kid just speaking, you know, on top of my head, you know, saying certain things to me. And it's very annoying, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So annoying. Okay. So if you were to give that little kid, is it you or is it someone else? It's probably me if I had to guess. And if you were to give that little kid a name, would it be Little Doug or would it be something completely different? Maybe Douglas, because that's like more like, and I I don't like when people call me. That's just so, I mean, that's like a more serious thing. So that's kind of what I envision. Mm -hmm. So that's perfect. Little Douglas, it's annoying (laughs) and he's on your head and he's screaming these things at you. Right. Okay. So that's your ego. That's your inner critic, right? Mine is a little version of me. I call her my inner mean girl. She sits on my shoulder. And she's wearing red little devil outfit with a pitchfork. So that's, that's mine. Okay. So once we create a character for that voice, one of the first things that does is it brings lightness to the situation. It brings a bit of play. It brings a bit of fun because this personal development work doesn't need to be so serious. It doesn't need to be so hard because I know when I was going through a lot of my upgrades, it was very serious and hard and I really beat myself up and it wasn't fun. So by doing this, we're just bringing a bit more lightness and play to it, right? So the first step C stands for character, creating a character for that voice, which we've done. The next step A in the cast process stands for awareness. We need to become aware of when little Douglas comes and starts shouting these things. Like, what is it for you? Is it around relationships? Is it around your health? Is it around money and finances? Like what are, and maybe it's all of them, but right now there might be one more strong in particular where he goes crazy. I would say that what happens with mine is he appears like every once in a while when he does, he like picks at everything. So it might be like my health, it might be like my business, might be like relationships, might be the podcast, might be this or that. And then he'll like go away and then things will be fine. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, time will go by. And then when things are great, here comes little Douglas again. And then it's like picking at me, picking at me, picking at me. And then that's just, that's kind of how the pattern works with me. It's good that you're aware of that, but is there something that happens just before he pops in? Is there some sort of trigger that activates him to come? I think it's whenever I'm taking like a big risk or a big step forward that it's like after I take the step forward, it's not even like before, like it's not even, that's not when it really happens. It's like, I'll take a big step in business. I'll take a big step in a relationship. I'll take a big step like with doing something different in my health or, you know, fill in the blank. And then he appears. It's like after the fact. Mm, Okay. So that's really important that you know that because next time you take a really big step in your business or your health or career, anytime, you can almost 
preempt that. He may pop up. We don't want to say he will, but he may. And so you can have a little conversation with yourself and you can go, okay, cool. I'm about to take this big risk in my business. It feels really stretching, which is great because when we feel stretched on the other side is growth and upgraded version of ourselves. So we can say, okay, well, I'm about to take this big risk in my relationships or business or health. He may pop up. And that's okay because I have all of the tools to move through this with as much ease and grace as possible. So awareness, become aware of when your inner critic potentially will pop up, like what are the scenarios? And then you can shine light on something that was once dark. And this whole process, this whole cast process is designed to help you cast aside your inner critic, cast aside your inner Douglas so that your true self can shine through, so that your true self can be in the driver's seat of your life and your true self can be what dictates your decisions in your life. So the first step, character, C stands for character, A, awareness, S stands for shutting the door. So what happens is whenever someone's inner critic, their inner Douglas comes knocking on their door to say, wow, you're taking a really big risk here in your business and, you know, it's a lot of money and it's not going to work. You know, you're going to fail and it's not going to work. So you may as well not bother. Like, don't, don't bother. It's not going to work. What most people do is when that voice comes knocking on our mental door, we let that voice in, they come in, they have dinner, they stay over, they use all of our belongings, they sleep in our bed, they eat all of our food and they hang out for a couple of weeks. We don't want that. When that negative voice comes knocking on your mind, you want to say, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm not interested. You know, think of it like an annoying salesperson who comes knocking on your front door to sell you something that you're just completely not interested in. You wouldn't say, sure, come on in and give me your 45 minute spiel on steak knives. No, I'm, I'm not interested in, I've got a knife. I'm good. I don't need steak knives. You would not waste your time, right? But most of us are wasting our time just allowing our inner Douglas to run and rule the roost. So we want to say thanks, but I'm not interested. So when your inner Douglas comes knocking on your door next time you take a big risk to tell you that it's not going to work and you may as well not bother, you say, ah, there, there he is, like he's popped up. Thanks, but I'm not interested in that story. I'm not interested in running that program anymore. I'm going to create a new program, a new pathway, a new neural pathway. And that is one that says, I can do this and it's possible. And so we gently shut the door. S stands for shut. And then T stands for truth. You come back to the truth. And the truth is that, yes, you can take that risk. Yes, you can start the podcast. Yes, you can get out of debt. Yes, you can heal. Yes, you can lose the weight. You can find your soulmate. So you come back to the truth. So the cast process leads you ultimately back to the truth of who you are, which is what we spoke about at the start, that beautiful essence in your heart, you know, not that inner critic in your head. So I take myself through this process whenever she pops up to tell me that I'm not a good mom or that I failed today or that 
you know, you should feel guilty for not doing X, Y, or Z. You know, I take myself through that process and it's so much easier to do than waiting to go to a therapist and move through something. You know, we can do this at home by ourselves whenever it pops up. And we have between 80, 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Men have around 40,000 thoughts a day. And so that's potentially a lot of inner critic talk, right? And we may need to do that process, that cast process 60,000 times a day. And then the more you do it, the quicker and quicker you're going to get. And the less you're going to have to do it, it's like any muscle. You go to the gym, you do your squats, you're going to get a tight booty. You practice this process, you're going to get stronger and stronger at it. And eventually, you know, these neural pathways in your brain will not default to this old setting of negativity, fear, and can't, and will reprogram to possibilities instead. And that's where we ultimately want to get to. I think people really love processes and like tangible steps they can take when they're faced with a challenge. So I'm glad that you brought that up in the way that you did. In my own experience, why I acknowledge and I understand like mastering the inner voice is super important and the way that you talk to yourself certainly will dictate how you act. In my experience, it's also been productive to have a little bit of constructive criticism within myself or from somebody else. And I'm interested to know your thoughts on this because there's times where I'm not doing my best or I need to apologize to somebody or my I'm not taking my health as seriously as I need to or whatever. And I have to be like, listen, Doug, like you're not giving it your best right now. Like you really need to apologize to that person. Like you could have done that better. But in my personal opinion, I think there's room for that. And I think that can be healthy, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. 100% that can really motivate us to be better, to do more, to be kinder. 100%. But that voice is different to you're not good enough, to the ego, to the inner critic. Like that voice that you're talking about, I feel like is a message from your higher self. And it's, it's a message like, hey, you know, Melissa, you could probably have been kinder there or you could have probably given more there or you could have probably pushed yourself a bit harder there. That's a message from your higher self or there's the message from your ego, which is you're a piece of crap. You spoke to that person so poorly. You need to apologize. You should feel really bad about yourself. You are such a shit friend. Like that's different right? So there's like a message from your higher self that can propel you into the best version of you. And then there's your inner critic, your inner Douglas. That's like, you're a piece of shit. You need to go and apologize or don't even bother. You're just such a bad friend. You know, there's, there's a difference. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. The reason I brought this up is because like the term like self-love and just love yourself and all this stuff, like gets thrown around a lot. But I think what sometimes gets forgotten is that part of self-love is self-accountability and holding yourself accountable to do better in certain situations, holding yourself accountable to forgive that person or to say you're sorry or whatever, because, you know, without that, you just live in this facade that everything's just going to be okay all the time. And, and, and as a matter of fact, like life's going to suck sometimes you're gonna do you're gonna make mistakes and there's gonna be times where you have to say you're sorry and i think that's where self-love coupled with self-accountability is like the ultimate flex now in in what, how you live your life mm -hmm. and i want to get into another topic that i know you're really passionate about and that's comparison 
which again, I think there's a dance because I think comparison in some ways can be healthy. In some ways, obviously it's not. But what are some of the most like toxic ways that comparison has appeared in your life? And how have you shifted out of that to kind of let go of um, some of those old patterns and create a healthy, a healthier relationship with comparison? So my latest book is titled Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy. And it is such an important book now more than ever. And in the book, I talk about there's mainly four main areas we compare. There's lots more, but like when I was doing the research, there was four really big ones. One of them being body image. The next one being like career, you know, that person got a promotion, that person's got my dream job, blah, blah, you know, that sort of thing. Um, relationships is the third one. And the fourth one is like parenting and things like that. So they're the four major areas where we can slip into comparisonitis. And I want to just preface this all by saying that there is healthy comparison and unhealthy comparison. And what I'm talking about is unhealthy comparison. And there's healthy comparison. Healthy comparison, for example, is you go to the gym, a girl jumps on the treadmill next to me. She kind of looks the same age as me, similar sort of body shape as me. And she jumps on the treadmill next to me and she starts running. And here I am kind of like, yeah, I'll just have a stroll, you know, I'll just take it easy. And she starts running and I look at her and I go, huh, she's going for it. And like, she's similar to me. Like she's same sort of age. She's got the same sort of body shape as me. If she can run a bit faster and on a bit higher of an incline, then maybe I can. And so then I up my speed and up my incline and I go for it. And then I finish my 30 minute run and I go, wow, I'm really proud of myself. Like I pushed myself and it felt scary, but I did it anyway. And I'm really proud of myself. That is healthy comparison, right? Then there is unhealthy comparison, which we all know, you know, that, oh, look at her body. It's amazing. Or look at his six pack. I'll never get that. I'm not good enough. I'm fat. I'm a piece of shit, whatever. Look at their relationship. It's so perfect. I'm never going to meet my soulmate. She just got another promotion. I'm still here climbing the ladder. That person's on her third child. I'm still struggling to fall pregnant the first time. You know, they are very unhealthy, toxic comparisons that can really be very detrimental to our mental health. So we need to really do something about those. So, I have another little process in my book, Comparisonitis, that I talk about. It's another four-step acronym process that, again, really helps me uh, whenever I notice myself comparing myself to anyone else. And it's the ACEs technique. And why I called it the ACEs technique is because it helps you feel ACE again. Because when you are comparing yourself to other people, you do not feel ACE. You feel gross. You feel icky. You feel heavy, dark. Uh, maybe even a bit depressed within yourself. You know, you're comparing yourself. It can feel really depressing, like you're not good enough. And then that whole internal dialogue can start as well. I'm not good enough. So the ACEs technique stands for, the first letter A stands for awareness. Like in the cast process, we have to become aware of 
where our inner critic is comparing and what are our triggers. So if your trigger is social media, when you follow fitspos, you know, those sorts of inspiration, fitspiration, those sorts of things, if that really triggers you, or if it's a celebrity, or if it's pregnant women, or if it's best-selling authors, if it's happy couples, like what is it that triggers you to compare and in what areas does it, is it from a person, is it from social media? So we need to become aware of where we're being triggered and what's being triggered. So that's the first step. C stands for choosing a different path. So instead of going down one path, we've got two options here. When we find ourselves comparing, we can either go down the path of I'm not good enough. See, they always get the guy. They're they're so happy. Or we can go down the other path and use it as inspiration and motivation, which is what I did on the treadmill, for example. And there's only two options. And so in that moment, when you find yourself comparing, you can say, okay, cool. I can go down this path and make it mean that I'm not good enough, or I can use it as inspiration and motivation. So we're going to choose a different path. We're going to choose the path of inspiration and motivation instead. And then the next step, E, stands for eliminate. So when we are going through a healing journey, sometimes we need to eliminate Instagram. Sometimes we need to eliminate the trigger so that we can just really process this ourselves. It's like if you fall over and cut your leg, you don't want to keep picking the scab. You want to give it some time to heal. And so we might just want to give it a little bit of space. We might want to have like a few days off social media if that's a big trigger for you. We might want to mute or unfollow some of the people that really trigger us just while we heal, okay? So we can eliminate. And if you can't eliminate, you can exit the situation. So say all of your friends are sitting around the table talking about their new boyfriends and you have just broken up with someone and you feel really triggered and upset, you can just get up and go to the bathroom. You don't have to sit there and listen, you know, you can get up and just go for a walk and get some fresh air. And if you can't eliminate or exit, you can just take an exhale, take a really deep breath. Like I share in the book when one of my best friends shared with me that she was pregnant and I had been trying for 18 months with my husband and I couldn't exit or I couldn't eliminate I just exhaled and I just took a big deep breath and I came back into my heart. So that is the third step, exit, eliminate or exhale. And then the fourth step, S stands for shifting your state. So when we find ourselves in a toxic or unhealthy or negative pattern, it can feel really heavy in our body and and uh, changing your state, as Tony Robbins calls it, I say shifting your state, dancing, jumping up and down, shaking your body, diving in the ocean, just moving the stagnant energy in your body up and out of your body. Do whatever you have to do. Do some star jumps, some squats, whatever. But whatever you do, just make sure it shifts that energy out of your body. And at the end of that, you should feel ace again, come back to feeling ace and awesome within yourself. Because the truth is that you are an amazing human being. You have your own gifts. You are a miracle. There's one in 400 trillion chances of you being born. And you came through. Your parents, sperm and egg, came together and created you. That is a miracle. And when you truly remember that, You don't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You have your own unique, 
amazing gifts and quirks and perks. And if everyone just fully owned their uniqueness and stopped comparing, stopped looking left and right and comparing in an unhealthy, toxic way, we would be in a very different place. And so I just want to encourage everyone to do that ACEs technique and remember that you don't need to do unhealthy comparison. Sure, healthy comparison, go for it. But unhealthy comparison, we don't need that because we are perfect and unique and amazing just as we are. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up in like two ways and that you have to exit or eliminate the situation that's bothering you, whether it's social media, whether it's like a situation that you're in with like friends or whatever. But you also have to like do the work on the back end to figure out like why that situation is creating this emotion. Because I think a lot of times what happens is people might be triggered by what they see on social media and they say, oh, that person's triggering me. I'm just going to unfollow them. But like they forget to look at like they didn't trigger you. You, you got triggered yourself but based on what you saw and like what was it about what you saw that brought up that emotion. And I, I know that was something that was big for me like earlier on in my healing journey was when when I would get upset when I saw something or when I compared myself to somebody, I would just blame that person or I would blame the situation. And again, that became like a new normal for me and it completely took the responsibility off of myself and just, I was pushing it on to, it was like, it's their fault. It's everybody else's job to make me feel okay with myself. And, and it led me down a path where eventually I hit this moment where I needed to face those demons all at once. And it was a lot harder to do it in that capacity than if I had uh, realized it more earlier on. So thank you so much for sharing all that on, on comparison, because I think it's truly important. I think comparison can be healthy, like you mentioned, and it can also be very unhealthy when there's certain things that are bringing down your life. You've made so many upgrades in your life, whether it's your relationships, whether it's what you've done with your business, whether it's what you've done on your spiritual walk, health and wellness, now as a mom. But looking back, like which one of these upgrades you've made in your life has had the most meaningful impact in who you are today? Goodness me, all of them. And <laughs> I think the first one that I embarked on because that was the ripple effect for all of the others. So in October 2010, I had a health crisis and I share this in my first book, Mastering Your Mean Girl. So in October 2010, I ended up in hospital with a complete health breakdown, a whole host of health issues, both physically and mentally. So I was dealing with depression and anxiety and panic attacks, as well as a whole host of physical issues. And it was in hospital where I remember raising my arms and going, surely this isn't it. Like surely God or the universe or whatever you believe in didn't put us here on earth to suffer. Surely that's not why we're here, right? And I had this realization and I asked that question. And what came to me was, no, that's not why we're here. And if you get healthy and happy again, you will live a life beyond your wildest, most crazy, amazing dreams. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was coming from my intuition. I didn't know what my intuition was back then. And so because health was the first thing that was taken away from me, I had to get my health sorted. So my physical journey 
was the first place that I started. But very quickly that led to thoughts, what was going on internally. And so from there, I looked at my relationship with myself, my relationship with money, my relationship with my partner, my relationship with my friends. And I literally went on a mission to upgrade every area of my life, to clean up every area of my life. At that time in my life, I was numbing with drugs and alcohol and partying and boys and shopping, just distract, distract, distract. And so I made it my mission to clean up every area, my health, my relationships, my career. Like what did I want to do with my life? Because what I was doing was not serving me. I didn't enjoy what I was doing. I looked at healing my relationship with my with money and with all the people in my life. And so it was a ripple effect from there, like one thing kind of led to the other. But I think for me, it started with that very low hanging fruit of health and wellness because health is wealth. And if you don't have your health, you can barely show up for your relationships. If you don't have your health, you can't show up for your career. If you don't have your health, you can't do the things that you want to do in the world. So that was the first step for me, the lowest hanging fruit and, you know, physical health. And then it went to mental health. And then when I was investigating my mental health, I I cleaned up every negative thought and reprogrammed all of the negative thoughts in my mind. I mastered my inner mean girl. And by the way, I'm still, you know, she still pops up and I take myself through that process. But it was the first time in my life where I realized that I am in control of how my life unfolds. I am the creator of my life. If I want magic, I have to create it. We are all born with a blank canvas. And we get to create and do whatever we want in our life. We get to paint the experience on the blank canvas that we want to experience. And when I really understood that, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And also a big realization that, oh, I could no longer blame someone else for my unhappiness. I can't blame my parents for the way that I turned out. I had to take responsibility and it was a big weight lifted off my shoulders and it was scary at times and also really, really exciting because I didn't have to look outside of me for happiness anymore. It came from within. Thank you so much for for opening up and sharing all that. I I read about your health scare and and that that part of your journey and I I was completely inspired by the level of, of change that you made in your life. Cause it's really hard for, for people when they get to that low point in any part of their health to shift out of that and start to make these small changes and whether it's how they take care of themselves, how they talk to themselves, different habits they, they have on a daily basis, who they spend time with, whatever it is, to then start to stack those small wins that end up becoming these bigger wins as you look back and you're like, wow, like it's been a year, I've been taking care of my health. like. I'm healthier now. I, I haven't been to the doctor as much or my blood pressure's down or my blood sugar is, is being better managed right now or my relationships are better. And, and people don't realize that. They don't realize that it's not like you went from the hospital bed to starting a podcast. It's not like you went from the hospital bed to writing a book. You went from the hospital bed to just telling yourself that you know you wanted more for yourself or that you needed to take better care of your health. 
And then that got you like out of the bed or whatever. And then you started to make these simple changes that help propel you going forward. I want to go back to something you said before we close our conversation about like there was like a couple things that you said that you struggled with that you have overcome. And one of them was the mom guilt. And you said you did this cord cutting exercise. And I wanted to go back to this moment because I think it was pretty powerful for you. And I think a lot of people struggle with this mom guilt and parent guilt from what I've heard. So I want you to, to like close your eyes for a second. I want you to take yourself back to that moment of when you were doing this meditation, you were feeling this immense amount of mom guilt. And I want you to think about like what was going on in your life, what was going on in your head, what your body felt like, what your thoughts were like, how you were treating yourself, how you were talking to yourself, what your relationships were like. And now I want you to reimagine like going back into that moment and then in that moment of time, you cutting that cord. And then now as you like open your eyes, like, what are you feeling? Like, what's going through your mind right now? I feel so light. I feel free. I feel joy. That's amazing. And thank you for doing that and opening yourself up in that way. Because what I want people to get out of that is this. Melissa's way of healing part of her past, healing part of herself that was bringing her down was through meditation and through spiritual work and cord cutting and you noticed how free she feels, how much better it improved her life by going in and doing the work. And I think a lot of times like doing the work is very hard, but once you do it in whatever way works for you, like there's this sense of peace and joy and freedom that comes from going deep and fixing that part of you. So Melissa, I wanted to make sure that we kind of ended on that because when you said that, I was like, you know what? I really want to dive a little bit more into this, but thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. I think people are going to really get a ton of value out of this. Well, thank you so much. It's gone so quickly. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. So I can imagine that there's going to be people that want to connect with you. You have an amazing podcast. You've written several best-selling books. Like where's the best place for people to learn more about you? Well, definitely come and check out my podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show, and come to my website, melissaambrosini.com. And I would love for you to come and connect with me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got out of this conversation. I absolutely love connecting with new like-minded people. And I love hearing about the nuggets of wisdom that you get from podcasts or my books or whatever. So please come and share that with me. I would love to connect with you. I'd love to meet you and I'd love to hear. So yeah, they're the places. There you have it. Make sure to share a takeaway with something that you learned from their conversation, a nugget of wisdom that Melissa shared and make sure to tag her and tag myself because we would love to hear your feedback. And uh, we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we'll see you next time.